0: This is Indie Colorcast powered by Radio Kismet. Hi, Andrew Benioff here with Indie Colorcast along with Christopher Plant of Radio Kismet, both live here in Philadelphia. And today we're going to be exploring restaurants, food, and the vegan movement here in Philadelphia with Nicole Marquise of Hip City Veg and all of her other brands as well. Really an interesting story. All right, here we go. So tell us a little bit about your background. And we know that you were born here in Philly, but you've spent some time out in California. Tell us a little bit about your journey.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So like you said, Philly girl, born and raised. I spent, um, you know, I, I went to college here. I grew up in Elkins Park, moved to North Philadelphia, where I lived with my grandfather for some time and went to Temple University. Uh, this is my hometown. I then, for grad school, went to California Institute of the Arts, and I—it's uh, kind of like a really avant-garde, edgy, sort of far-out. Well,
2: it's not easy school. to get into. Yeah,
1: thank you. Yeah, it, it's an incredible school, uh, founded by Walt Disney, and I had a lot of fun there doing weird avant-garde performance art, and that's what I was doing for a while with an emphasis on classical drama and, and Shakespeare, and. Uh, about two thirds of the way through, I really had this—I guess like existential crisis. Like, what am I going? What am I doing with my life? You know, I needed really to have that meaning and purpose uh, in what I was dedicating my time to. And I moved home. I left grad school. And when I'm, you know, I—I I did what I always do when I'm—I'm I'm lost. And I tell a lot of people this. I just pick up a book and I start reading about what interests me in the moment and trying to find answers. And at the time, uh, I had thought about uh, going vegetarian, really big out there in California, and I was interested in nutrition. So I started uh, to read book after book after book, started with The China Study by Dr. T. Colin Campbell, then Eat to Live by Dr. Joel Fuhrman, which I really recommend to everyone. And it had a profound uh, impact on my life. I realized in that moment that what I eat can affect my health like a light switch on and off, healthy, unhealthy, uh, and can really help me achieve like my optimal well-being. And so I was living at home with living with my mom and my dad, not a penny to my name. And I was uh, watching my dad who, you know, in his fifties, a little overweight, kind of a typical story. Like he had just been diagnosed with high blood pressure. He was on four different medications. He had been diagnosed with type two diabetes and he's a nurse practitioner. And when I told him, Poppy, we got to change what you're eating. It will help. Like for him, it was just, no, I have a good diet. You know, I don't eat that many sweets. This is really just genetic. You know, let me be. I take my medicine and I was just not having it. I And so I scraped some money together. I bought a blender and I made a green smoothie. And it's the same one we sell at Hipsity Veg today. Groovy. The Groothy, yes. I love, love <laughs> Groothys. <laughs> That's right. The Groothy, yeah, that name is um, was actually part of a nonprofit called uh, Get Real, Get Raw. So now we branched off and we call it the BFG. But it's just, it's same goodness, you know? I
0: remember it as the Groothy. Alan <laughs> Dom bought me the first one and, uh, <laughs> and I drank them with him quite regularly.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. That's so great. Alan Dom, he's amazing. He's been a great supporter of ours for many years. And yeah, so my dad was, you know, he drank that and was really like, okay, I'll give this a try. You know, I can have spinach, it could taste good, this easy, no problem. He's a meat and potatoes guy. And within two months of adopting a total plant-based diet, he, I mean, what what happened to my father was utterly amazing. He lost 25 pounds. He got off all of his medications. He put his Uh, blood pressure. He normalized his blood pressure and put his type 2 diabetes into remission. This is a miracle before our eyes. My whole family was really uh, moved by that. And my mother then improved her health with a plant-based diet. And it was what seemed like overnight transformation. So I knew I had to bring this to people everywhere. But I also knew, like my dad, people don't want to be preach to about food, right? Food is very personal. It's, it's an, there's an emotional connection. It's deeply rooted in our culture, culture, our family traditions, Mm -hmm. you know, like spaghetti and meatballs for my dad is like, that's his, that's, that reminds me of his childhood with his mom, you know, like that's a major thing. And you, and I, I can't sort of affect the great change that I want to affect by just preaching about it. I need to make it taste good. And that's the first thing I wanted to focus on, and then put it in a format that's familiar to people, like everyone knows a good fried chicken sandwich. Oh, happens to be plant based. Mm-hmm. Great, and that's that's what we do at Hip City Veg. And that fried chicken sandwich, by the way, is freaking awesome.
2: <laughs> I will second that.
1: Thank you. This Thank is you. turning into the uh,
2: the love fest here for <laughs> your food, but um, you know, you talked about uh, the the culture. You talked about you know how it fits into family and this. Idea of changing the way that that your father ate, and it is so um, societal that right. um, you know we have a lot of these bad habits that are based on um, our proximity to food, based on when and how we eat, how busy we are in our lives, and so how do you build that into what you're thinking about in terms of building out your businesses?
1: It's all about making it easy to eat vegan, right? So we're in an uber convenience world hyper convenience everywhere we go so definitely preparing this quickly spending a lot of time on the preparation on the back end so that we're able to serve the food really quickly for people who only have 20 minutes for their lunch break but don't want to grab a slice of pizza they want a better option you know when we opened the doors in 2012 hip city veg we opened at 10 a.m in the morning and we sold out of food by 1 p.m., mm-hmm. and this went on for a while. Right, and hundreds of people were lined up to eat veggie burgers in the cheese steak capital of the world. Yeah, I was like, who? Who knew? You know, but I think what that shows is that even cheese steak eaters, given the chance and given the choice, want a better, healthier option as long as it tastes good. Right. So, flavor is everything service, absolutely having a culture of service excellence and talking about that all the time and uh, convenience. So just systemizing everything.
2: Yeah, so that's interesting. I mean, you you have unique branding, you have unique packaging. You talked about the the flavor and and the style of the sandwich and and how it, it fits into kind of what people know. Um, you're environmentally friendly. How did you bring all these things to this concept, and what was that sort of thought process like?
1: Yeah, sort of a holistic approach to you know to the operations. I um, first. I became vegan and my family adopted a plant-based diet because of health. It was, for me, it was selfish reasons. I just wanted to feel better. Mm-hmm. And uh, that quickly evolved, though, into the environmental aspect. We all know that animal agriculture is one of the leading causes of global climate change. Right. Mm-hmm. And at Hipsey Veg, we really want to be the solution one of the pieces of the it's a huge solution, right? We want to be part of that. And that's really what we're we're trying to do. So it evolved from health to environmentalism and of course to animal welfare. So when thinking about all those things, every aspect of the company and restaurants have tremendous variables, right? right. So we have to Um, sort of systemize and make principles within our company that we stick to. And part of that is compostable packaging, composting our food scraps. You know, it's really hard to find compostable stickers. It's
2: expensive to do the right thing.
1: It's expensive to do the right thing. So even in our operating agreement, we have a triple bottom line. So that means if anyone else comes into the company is making a decision, they have to do it in the order of first, is this good for the people? Is this good for planet? And then profit. So... That at least is in our law, you mm-hmm. know, for the company. Um, and just to keep everything in check. Yeah.
0: yeah. Do you have suggestions? I mean, you guys are obviously doing some amazing things um, in sustainability um, and environmental stewardship. Do you have suggestions for other, either hotels or restaurants or other people doing in business of how to take their business to the next level using those sort of practices?
1: I know that the single most important thing we can do to avoid the climate crisis is to eat plant-based. It is more profound than taking all the cars, trucks, planes off the road in the world combined. It's that important. Animal agriculture is the single most destructive food technology on Earth. And so if hotels, restaurants, any menus out there can really adopt more plant-based menu items onto their menu. That's an incredible great start. And people are really doing that. I mean, in Philadelphia, you've seen the evolution. I mean, we can go to any restaurant and they'll be able to, if it's not on the menu, the chef can easily whip up a great veggie plate. Um, So that's, I would say the first step is, and not sort of cheating by putting cheese all over it, but Mm -hmm. really creating a vegetable forward dish that people can love and and want to order. And And, is healthy. And is healthy. And, And chefs are doing that. The greatest chefs in Philly all have that on their menu. And compostable materials. You know, there's two parts of the equation. The first thing, by purchasing compostable takeout materials, we're reducing our dependency on petroleum. And that's really important right now. The second part, of course, is working with the city to develop a municipality to actually compost these compostable materials. You know, in California, they have this. You can put out your trash, you put out your recycling, and you put out your compostables and they take it, right? So we need that infrastructure on the East Coast. Yeah, I mean, the
2: city of Philadelphia stopped recycling, right? We were still dividing our stuff up and putting it on the street and they were picking it up and, you know, when China stopped buying their recycling, they decided not recycle for almost a year
1: that blows my mind
2: it's a pretty hard fact Um, but but it happened you just kind of talked about how other restaurants have done what you were doing eight years ago and adding these onto your menu how has that changed you you are obviously interested in educating people and other businesses are taking your lead How, how has that changed your own business
1: it's been some healthy competition. Yeah, no pun intended. <laughs> no, but it's. I think it's great, and yeah. it's part of the mission. Uh, we wanted to create awareness with, you know, hey, plant based foods it can taste really delicious. It doesn't have to be sprouts and grains mm-hmm. and, you know, what everybody sort of thought a vegan meal was. The caricature. Uh, the caricature of it, mm-hmm. right? Very hippy dippy granola and you know, sprouts or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like we can, it can really be satisfying. So we see that happening everywhere. I think that's awesome. You know, Burger King has the Impossible Whopper. People go, oh, what do you think about that, Nicole? Is that going to hurt your business? I think it's incredible. Yeah. People who never thought it was possible to enjoy a plant-based burger are now eating an Impossible Whopper and going, honey, this isn't, this isn't meat. I can eat. I like this. Well, if anything,
2: it's going to lead to more business for you as people realize that you can make it better. And they're going to say, if this is what Burger King can make, I'll bet Nicole Marquis can make it a lot better than that.
1: (laughs) I love that. Yeah. So it's a good thing. I think it's so good and creates more awareness, uh, more business, more and better for the environment.
2: In your past, you've, you worked, didn't you work with um, Rich and Kate?
1: I did. Yeah. Fantastic.
2: Right. What did you kind of learn from them and how has that helped you, uh, evolve evolve the business? And especially as, 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 you know, we've seen the food scene in Philadelphia become so sophisticated.
1: Yeah. I mean, Rich, he just knows flavor. He's the master of plant-based cooking. Incredible. And Kate doing everything she does with desserts, um, and service. They yeah. really understand, service. um, you know, the delicate touch at the table, the the movement in the space, the timing of service. So I learned a great deal. I worked with them for a little bit uh, before opening Hipsity Veg.
2: Yeah, that's great. I remember the first time I was going to a vegan restaurant, my wife and had a friend coming to town and we were going to go to Horizons. And I was like, oh, man, I, I'm so angry, <laughs> you know. And uh, and I went out of there a raving fan, bought the cookbook and, um, wow. you know, became – Part of that—that that easily, uh, sort of evolved uh, person that believed in 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 vegan food. You said earlier that you know you're going to be on a panel with Ellen and another panel with Ellen and and how has it been um, being a female entrepreneur? You know you're in the fast casual brand. Um, you've got to be out there in the public a lot, um, but then you've got to be running your businesses. How how has that been for you?
1: Yeah, you know, I get that question often, and it's always a little tough for me to answer mm-hmm. because I I have been surrounded and lucky to be surrounded by such incredible men and women who've supported me throughout my entire career. So I was really, you know, and I also had my head down and focused and, and, and didn't even look up to say, oh, am I being treated differently because of my, I'm a woman in business? I sort of had these blinders on. I was like, I'm going to do whatever it takes to make sure we succeed, you know, and and just grind, right, and put the work That's in. That's a good
2: thing that you didn't have to think about it.
1: Yeah, and I'm grateful for that and blessed in that way. Uh, but there's obvious many, many hurdles and struggles that a lot of women have. For me, becoming a mom, I have a two-year-old. Congrats. Thank you. That that was a big wake up call for me. And what it means to be a mom in business Mm -hmm. is a whole nother level. And the responsibilities that, you know, take you sort of out of, of leaning in and grinding into your, to your business, you know, just the bedtime routine. Right. That's a, that's a three, four hour routine. Just all of the routines, all of the routines, the morning routine, the, you know, all of it. And, um, you know, the best thing that's ever happened to me is becoming a mom, but still, um, I think that's where I struggled the most in terms of being a, you know, this what we call it female entrepreneur. Yeah. You know, uh, having the mom responsibilities too have been just hard to balance like yeah. anything. So. Uh, you know, and there are other great female entrepreneurs that I look up to that are doing it like Ellen know, yeah. so excited. I get to talk yeah. with her again on a, on a panel. I, um, admire her greatly and, um, I just look towards people who are doing great things, right. you know, whether they're male or female. And I'm inspired by so many people in Philadelphia doing doing great things. Yeah.
2: Well, I mean, you know, when we're just meeting for the first time today, I've been hearing about you for ages and um, you know, looking at at what it's been like for you to to kind of grow your brand and so you've got how many hip cities in Philadelphia?
1: We have 5 in Philly, 2 in DC, a third on its way, and then I have two other full-service brands.
2: Right. And that's where we're going here. Um, (laughs) If you were going to open fast casual brands, which were clearly successful, why did you feel like you needed a full-service brand?
1: Great question. You know, I wanted to present vegetables in a sexy, moody, mysterious cocktail lounge vibe, Yeah, you know, and it works. Thank you. Yeah. Charlie was a sinner. Uh, The, the area is just right for it. Midtown village. Um, it's a great spot. So it's a combination of really great location, um, a dark and moody scene, and then juxtaposing that with these like delicate veggie plates that you wouldn't normally, you know, expect. So
2: yeah. And then Bon Bon?
1: Bar Bon Bon is a Latin inspired mm-hmm. bar and restaurant. And that's in Rittenhouse Square, sort of an homage to my Puerto Rican roots mm-hmm. and my family living in Puerto Rico. And yeah, I had a lot of fun with that, brought the whole team to San Juan. We explored the architecture and the design and the food and just absorbed that, brought it home and made this little breezy corner, you know, tropical corner right there in Rittenhouse. Mm-hmm.
2: And cool. and so um, with those two full service restaurants, will you keep growing those or are you going to more concentrate on Hip City Veg or how do you, how do you feel like that's going to play out?
1: for me, the key to success right now is focus. And I, I, so I'm focusing right on hip city veg, you know, it was a passion project to do bar bon, Bon, and Charlie was a sinner and they do great. And I think they're great business concepts also to expand, but there's something unique about the location itself in Philadelphia Mm -hmm. that I think makes the, the vibe of the bar and the restaurant also so unique. So Um, I'm going to keep them here in Philly. It's a little gem right here. And then I'll expand Hip City Veg.
0: Yeah. Well, that's great. You'll probably know when the time is to, if you run across another opportunity in another place in the future in a year, five years, 10 years, 20 years to do another one of those uh, concepts somewhere else. Right. I think you'll have the, the feeling that it's the right time or place when you when you see it.
1: I hope so. Thank you. Yeah,
0: yeah. No, that's that's really cool. And I, you know, just as a a real quick comment, you you said about um your roots are Puerto Rican. So for some reason, I thought your roots must be Italian because oh, you're talking dad. about your dad and spaghetti, <laughs> spaghetti and meatballs. meatballs. That's right. So it, was he eating spaghetti and meatballs in Puerto Rico? <laughs>
1: That's great. No, my mother's Puerto Rican, okay. and my father is half French and half Italian. Got it. Oh, wow. And he was born and raised here in Got Philadelphia. It. So meat was a part of every single dish. Super uh, cool. Yeah. I <laughs> so. love it. I love it. Uh,
0: yeah, sorry to veer <laughs> away on that question. <laughs> no, that's but great. So at the Independent Lodging Congress, we like to ask uh, a question of everybody that we interview, and that is, what does the spirit of independence mean to you? And the way that you do business, because we're the Indie Congress and we, we love speaking to people, whether they consider themselves a brand or not. But how, how does independence play into what you do every day?
1: Wow, spirit of independence. You know, for me, independence is about thinking freely, about creating and manifesting your own reality, there is so much opportunity here for us. And Philadelphia especially is, there's this landscape where you can really experiment and start your own thing here. Uh, So for me, Spirit of Independence is all about as long as you can focus the mind and on exactly what you want and, and Keep your eye on that goal. You really can't. The sky's the limit. Mm-hmm. So that's the spirit of independence for me. Creating your own reality. So to
0: close this out, uh, Nicole, I just want to say, keep your eye on the groovies and the, <laughs> and the crispy chicken sandwich. Okay. Okay. Very important
2: well. And I would also say, you know, help uh, Philadelphia evolve past its reputation as uh, a land of the beef-only cheesesteak. <laughs> and continue to figure out how you can help us uh, grow, grow past that um, sort of cultural landmark there and whether it's a veggie cheesesteak or helping us um, become a healthier town.
1: Challenge accepted.
2: There you go. <laughs> All right, thank you very much, Nicole Marquis, for coming to visit with us here at Radio Kismet and uh, we'll see you at the Independent Lodging Congress.
1: Thank you. Yeah,
0: and thanks for joining us for ColorCast. It's wonderful. <laughs> This is Indy ColorCast powered by Radio Kismet, and I'm Andrew Benioff, founder and chairman of the Independent Lodging Congress. Indy ColorCast is where we explore independent hospitality, entrepreneurship, and society at large through conversations with leaders in our community of hoteliers, designers, and others to encourage idea generation and new ways of conducting meaningful business. Indy ColorCast.